Welcome to the Find Creative Expression podcast, conversations about art and creativity. I'm your host, Sarah Crawford, author, musician, and playwright. You can find the show notes and other information at findcreativeexpression.com. And let's get going. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 15 of the Find Creative Expression podcast. Y'all, it's really cold. You know how when it's really cold outside and you just feel like kind of tense, like all your muscles are tensing up? That's kind of how I've been the past couple days. Of course, you know, it is Georgia and I can just hear all my northern friends being like, Sarah, please shut up because... It may be cold here, you know, for Georgia, but at least we don't have all of the snow to deal with. So there is that. But hey, speaking of Northerners, I have an interview with Kathy Carr coming up. She is an author from New Jersey. I had a really great time chatting with her, so stick around for that for sure. So this past week, I made kind of a promo video for the podcast with, you know, a couple like a, a little few snippets from my interviews on here, some of them. And, you know, I just I got a lot of really good support and really good comments from people. And, you know, I just wanted to say thank you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for everyone who's come on the podcast. I really have loved every single conversation I've had on here. It's been really cool to just talk to different kinds of creators, different kinds of artists, talk about their process. Everybody I've had on here has been so incredibly different, but it's it's been really cool. It's been a lot of really good conversations. And, you know, it is a, still a relatively new podcast. So, you know, whatever you can do to help spread the word, tell your friends if you have any like creative friends that might be interested. If you want to leave a review on iTunes. Do they even call it iTunes anymore? Apple, whatever Apple. (laughs) I'm an Android person, so I, you know, don't use the Apple as much. But yeah, Anything you can do to spread the word, I would greatly appreciate it. You know, if you want to post about the show on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, I would greatly appreciate it. If you need something cool to post, just hit me up. I'll send you some cool graphics or something. Maybe I'll design something just for you. You never know. So I'm really appreciative of, you know, everybody who's told me they're listening to the show. Shout out to Carol. Shout out to Kendall. Shout out to Lulu. Although you were on the show, so I I don't know if that one really counts. And hey, if you're listening to this and you're liking it, I mean, you know, reach out to me. Send me an email. Tell me, hey, I like the podcast. Tell me on Instagram. Tell me on Twitter. Whatever. I'm pretty easy to find. Sarah Crawford, no H. So I've been thinking about my career lately and, you know, I've always kind of had this idea that, you know, one day I was going to make it as a writer or as a musician or as an artist. And, you know, while I don't ever see myself not writing or not creating, I really think there's some kind of 
way for me to make a business out of helping other people to find creativity in their own lives and to use creativity to get through life. I mean, I don't know if it's some kind of like art therapy, but not actually art like painting because I don't really do that. <laughs> like creative therapy. I don't know. I need to do some like research, but I feel like there's some kind of calling there that I've been thinking about lately. I just, I really just feel called to help people. And I think the way that I can help people is by helping people express themselves, helping people find their own creativity. And, you know, because it helps me. I mean, every time I have a conversation on here with, you know, other creative people about their creative process, I feel really inspired to go write or to go play music. And, and maybe I'm not sitting down, you know, actually working on my novel. Like maybe I'm just writing a stupid joke song on the ukulele about whatever. But Talking about creativity makes me want to be creative. So I really appreciate that. All right, let's go ahead and get into the interview. Hey, everyone. I am here with Kathy Carr. Kathy Carr is the author of 365 Days to Alaska, her debut middle grade novel, a Junior Library Guild Gold Standard Selection. It's a story about a girl from off-the-grid Alaska adjusting to suburban life. Having worked a variety of jobs, Kathy now focuses on writing fiction as well as spending time with her family in the New Jersey suburbs. Welcome, Kathy. Hi, Sarah. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah. Thanks uh, for joining me for episode 15 of the Find Creative Expression podcast. Okay, so so how did you get into writing? Well, I actually got a hold of one of my oldest friends who I've known. We don't even remember when we met, but at this point, it's got to be like over 30 years. And I kind of said, you know, you remember me writing when I was a kid? And she said, well, I remember that you really like to tell stories, make up stories, and you had this really wild imagination that I envied very much. So I, I do remember being really little and, and starting to write these little stories, but I would never finish them. Mm-hmm. And then I think when I was just finishing up high school, I actually started writing stories and finishing them. And I guess that's really when I sort of made that jump. Things went on. I did major in English Lit in in college, and I took some writing courses. And then a few years after college, I went back and I got an MFA degree. And I guess at that point, you know, once once you have that, um, most of us have kind of committed to some kind of life in the in the literary community, you know, in the literary world. Well, cool. So, so have you always been drawn to writing stories for younger readers? No. I mean, I've always enjoyed fiction for like middle grade, um, YA, you know. I remember that one of the first things I did when I had a little extra money is I went to the bookstores and I found all of my old favorites that I remembered when I was a kid. And I bought them and I reread them. And I I remember thinking that these are really good, you know, and then I keep an eye out and I'd start buying the kind of the new up and coming stuff for middle grade. And I'd read that. 
Um, and I enjoyed it too. And I, you know, I really, really wish that I had made some record. I, I mean, I do keep a journal and I, I don't know why, like I'm always writing things down, like what I made for dinner or <laughs> how many cardinals I had in my bird feeder. But I, I don't write down when I kind of had the idea, hey, you know, maybe I should start trying to write for this age group. You know, I, I think it was like a year, maybe 2014, maybe like a year before we met at the writing barn, I think is when I really started to get serious about the idea. Right. Yeah, my son was in school by then, kind of settled in. And, you know, I, I did have more time, but I also didn't really feel like I had enough time to kind of get back into a full-time working gig. Right. So, you know, as far as I remember, and, and I really need to do a better job of keeping up this stupid journal. As far as I remember, <laughs> that's what happened. Cool. Yeah. So, so uh, when I met you in 2015 at the writing barn, you were working on an early draft of this novel. So how has 365 days to Alaska changed and evolved since that draft? Well, you know, it definitely evolved a lot, basically because I was still really learning about some of the rules about writing for younger readers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one was this real immediacy I think you need to have. Two, I think, you know, you, you definitely don't need to start off like a bullet out of a gun or right. uh, gee, maybe there's a better metaphor than that, but you know, like a horse out of a gate, how's that? Um, right. <laughs> but, you know, you need to have a good fresh start, something that will grab someone's attention. And, you know, pacing was an issue I really had to work on because, you know, 365 days to Alaska is, is pretty much spread over the course of a year. And right. I, I hadn't really realized, you know, how much of a challenge that was going to be for middle grade readers, you know, covering that much ground and, you know, always letting the readers know where they are and, you right. know, well, what month is it? You know, I mean, so yeah, I, I had a lot of work to do um, even after that workshop for sure. Right, right. So, so in your writing process, are you a plotter, someone who plans everything out before they start writing, or a pantser, you know, someone who flies by the seat of their pants? No, I'm definitely a pantser. I, I kind of wish I were a plotter sometimes because I always have this fantasy that it would mean that I could write my books faster, which <laughs> yeah. I would enjoy. <laughs> I hear that. Yeah. Um, and, and I feel like I do wander quite a bit. I, I always have kind of a very vague idea about what's going to happen, characters who are going to be involved. And I, I'm definitely always writing towards something, but sometimes it's more like a, a state of mind or a realization or a change in somebody. Mm -hmm. So, and, and I would also have to say, I've noticed it usually is something positive, which Makes me think of like, you know, that director Jude Apatow. I hope I'm saying his name the right way. Um, I think that's right. Okay, Apatow. Well, he once said, I could never just say people are awful, the end. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I kind of feel like that too. You know, that's, that's really not where I want to go with my fiction. So I, I do tend to end on that, like, you know, maybe that note of, you know, maybe uplift, but certainly at least a little hope, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I feel like everything I write kind of has to end that way, too, because I, I feel like if it doesn't end with 
at least some hope or something uplifting. Like you kind of like have a feeling when you finish the book, like, oh, well, now I'm depressed, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I don't know. You know, I wrote short stories for adults. Some of them were real downers and I didn't mind. But somehow when I'm writing for younger readers, I kind of really do feel like I need to offer that, you know, that that bit of, hey, things can get better. Um, you know, there's something you can keep reaching toward. Right. Yeah. You know, you think about middle grade, you think about that time in your life and, you, you know, it just it seems like when everything feels possible, you know? Yeah. And things can be really hard. Right, right. Right. So do you write every day? Are you more of a seasonal writer or like, does it depend on, you know, what's going on in your life? Well, I have some friends, some writing friends who are larks and, and they're like super early rising people. And they actually can get up at like five o'clock every morning and knock out, you know, an hour or two of work before anyone is even awake. Right. And I really, really envy them that. <laughs> I really, <laughs> really do. Because I think that would be a great way to do things. But I am not that person. I'm an owl. And so, yeah. you know, I try to have a routine because I know that routine can be really powerful. And one thing I remember from the years when I worked as a technical writer is, you know, when you're a technical writer, you get to work and you turn on your computer and you start writing. And it doesn't matter what kind of mood you're in. It doesn't matter what kind of commute you had or whether you had a, you know, a fight with your whoever, your mother, your boyfriend that morning, you're at work and, and it's the time to write and you do it. And I do think that was great training. Right. Um, but, you know, realistically, you know, we're people and we have a complicated lives. I mean, I, I can get up in the morning and plan to have a great day of writing. But if my, my son, you know, horks up his breakfast, guess what? He's not going to school that day and, and I'm not getting, you know, any work done in the, in the time I plan. So I either don't get it done or um, I do it some other time that day. And I think like a lot of busy people, I have gotten really good about like writing in the cracks and crannies. Oh yeah. Like there's a story I love about Raymond Carver, who is this great American short story writer. And he had like this small house with two young kids. And you know, when he had half an hour, he'd take a, a, a pad of paper and a pen and he'd go out and he'd sit in their car in the driveway. <laughs> that, that was a place where he could get a little privacy and he right. could get a little work done. And, and so you know, he would go out there and he would do that. And I just have massive respect for that. There are times when I don't have very productive times or I don't get a lot done. Like this whole past year, basically, with the pandemic, you know, my son's been going to school remotely. And, and he basically, that, that was my writing time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is not, this past year has, between... The new book coming out and feeling like there was the stuff I needed to do in publicity, getting um, social media stuff set up. And that this has been a terrible year for me in terms of productivity. And all I can do is, you know, hope that this coming year will be better and I'll be able to really get back on track. Right, right. Yeah, I, I think 2020, like, just threw a wrench in everybody's kind of plans in life, you know. 
It definitely uh, did. I, how, how could any of us have anything like a, a normal year, you know? Right, right. I mean, there was so much anxiety, you know, there were so many things to worry about. And again, you know, I think for, for anyone with like young kids, uh, you know, all of a sudden you're, you've added this huge thing to, to your list of, of stuff you have to do every day. And how can it be a low priority? It can't be. Right. So, you know, I, um, I do think it's important to just be flexible about your writing time and I, I mean, I remember reading about William Styron, who's another famous writer, and apparently everyone in his house had to be totally silent when he was working, and he worked at the same <laughs> time every day. Yeah, and, and apparently if, like, a baby was crying in the house down the street, he'd completely, you know, he'd get really upset and have what, you know, my father and mother would have called a hissy fit, and, I, you know, I'd have to say, I... <laughs> Good Lord, get a pair of earplugs. I I mean, I'm sorry. Conditions aren't always going to be perfect for this. You know, I actually kind of miss like writing in the middle of like a crowd at the coffee shop or something like, you know, I I feel like there's there's too much silence now (laughs) for me because I live alone. So it's like just me and the cats, you know. Yeah. I, I don't know. Sometimes working in the midst of kind of more chaotic environment can be really good for me. Yeah, some people really love that. I, I mean, that's not my jam, but I totally also get the, you know, I can't be alone anymore thing. And, you know, this has definitely been a year when a lot of us, I think, have come to understand that. For me, I'm like a massive mumbler when I write. I like talk to myself. <laughs> So, you know, if I tried to write in a coffee shop or a library, I would like really freak people out. So, okay, you've worked as a waitress, you've worked in libraries, you've worked in offices, you've worked in technical support, and, you know, you've just had a variety of other jobs. So were there any jobs that gave you kind of inspiration or made you feel more creative? Well, I do think that there are some places I've worked like um, sometimes restaurants. I worked in a lot of restaurants, bookstores, and libraries where I felt like I tended to meet a lot of creative people like myself. You know, these are places for whatever reason where the creative people, you know, come and find their perches. I went recently to a bookstore near me and I signed a copy they had of 365 Days to Alaska. And I was chatting with one of the managers who was so nice. By the way, this was the Barnes and Noble in Clifton, New Jersey. And everyone who works there is (laughs) is lovely as far as I can tell. But, you know, we were chatting about books and, you know, the new releases. And I finally said to her, I said, hey, are you a writer? And she kind of blushed and said that she was taking notes, but she hadn't really started anything yet. But, you know, it's kind of fun to be in a a place like a bookstore and think, you know, there's actually a reasonable chance that the person I'm talking to is is involved in the arts in some way, you know? Right, right. And the library where I worked for many years, it was amazing. It had kind of turned into this, you know, creative refuge. It was full of all these people who like wrote or they painted or they threw pots or or, you know, they did weaving or, you know, right. they were, or they were really into obscure art films. It was kind of a refuge for every kind of eccentric you can imagine. And, you know, 
that was really awesome. And, and I have to say when I moved into, um, you know, technical writing and I moved to, you know, kind of the big city, et cetera, I, I did find myself missing that. I'm happy I've worked this wide variety of jobs because, you know, I th- I think it has taught me a lot about the world and, and introduced me to a lot of different kinds of people. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, mm-hmm. I, I do sometimes meet people who have, have basically kind of been in one kind of job their whole life. Right. Um, you know, I, I think sometimes, especially in academia, you, you meet people like this, you know, they've got their they're sinecure and and that's where they are and they're not going anywhere. And, um, you know, it's not that I I think it gives them a narrow point of view, but it's just like, it is less, it's not as wide an experience. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I I can totally see that. I think when you have jobs where like you wear a uniform or, or you get home and you're filthy and you're exhausted, you know, which certainly has happened to me many times when I worked in restaurants you know, it's it's a different experience. So it does kind of broaden your horizons a little bit. And I think for writer, that's a good thing. Right, right. I totally agree. So so one of the main things that stuck with me about what I saw of your novel is how well developed the main character, Rigel, was. You know, how she just really kind of came to life and how three-dimensional she was and how evident it was that you as the author really cared about her and were invested in her journey, you know? So what was the process of creating the character of Rigel like? Rigel was one of those gifts. She she really almost just came to me fully formed, which is not obviously always the case. And I think that you know, part of it might have been because she was based on someone I read about in a magazine article. It was an article about this homesteading family in northern Canada and the parents had divorced. The mom had taken the daughters and moved to this city in southern Canada. And, you know, there were three daughters in the family. And the article mentioned that two of the daughters had made this great adjustment, but that the third daughter really missed her old life and, and didn't really like the, the city um and didn't really like public school but there was no going back for her you know and I think that might have been part of the reason why I had an easier time with Rachel than some of my other characters and you know I think the other thing that happened very accidentally or unconsciously is that you know a couple of my friends have mentioned that Rachel is a lot like me Mm -hmm. and and one of my best old friends actually said when the book was close to coming out, he said, you know, I never thought you were going to write about yourself, but you finally did because (laughs) Rigel is you, which, you know, I think it's so interesting. I had no idea, but the moment he said it, I knew it was true. Right. Right. Yeah. Now in the new book, I actually am having a little bit more trouble. You have to think about the character, you know, it's things like what kind of music does she listen to? Is she a vegetarian? Does she like cats or dogs, you know? Right. (laughs) And, you know, these things, these details kind of start to accumulate. The name for me is very important. I could never be one of these people who just like grabs a name and and goes with it. It has to be the right name for the character, you know? Right. 
And I actually remember when one of my friends read um, 365 Days to Alaska, he didn't like the name Rigel. He, um, he was like, I, I just don't like the name. It's kind of weird. Can't you pick the name of another star? Oh, but so I, I love I Rigel. <laughs> but, you know, I'm like, okay, I'll be open to this. You know, I'm not going to be an egotist. <laughs> and and I, did, I think I picked like the name Capella or something. Um, <laughs> but I picked another star name and I, and I stuck it in. And it was like, Rigel sat up and was like, what are you doing? Like a capella to you? <laughs> you know, I'm Rachel. Right. <laughs> and you know, it was totally obvious. So, yeah, I, I think it is an interesting process. And and for me, it, it is kind of like an unconscious process. There's a lot of like staring out of windows and muttering under my breath, which really creeps my husband out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, you know, I I read part part of that draft in 2015 and like, I still remembered the character name was Rigel and like, you know, the, the way she kind of was. And, you know, I thought, I think that's, you know, that's saying something. Cause I don't, I don't remember like a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I mean, I think that, you know, you can only do so much in a novel and, you know, I think that I do pay a lot of attention to my characters. Right. Um, you know, that's something I've always done. I think partly because I'm really interested in people and I always have been. You know, there are, there are the books where you can't remember what the characters did, but you remember the plot or the descriptions. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I think it is interesting how these things work. You know, I, I feel like it, it's interesting because I'm a panther too. And I feel like when you kind of have that process, you're a lot more focused on character than, than plot, like plot. I mean, obviously, you know, you want to have a plot, you want to focus on plot, but like, I feel like the characters are kind of really the the strong point uh, for Panthers. I mean, maybe not. I think you're actually totally onto something. I, I mean, because, you know, that's part of the issue with, with plotting. And I know a lot of people swear by it and I totally respect it, but you know, you kind of have to make your character fit what happens. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you start with a character, the plot has to, you know, fit your character. You know, like imagine Rigel, like landing in Connecticut and, and meeting her, you know, this mean girl, her bully and, and being like, oh, I'm going to make her like me. I'm going to fit in. It's impossible to imagine Rigel doing that, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. So, you know, whereas her older sister... Um, you know, she's willing to do that a little bit. You know, she's she's definitely willing to mold herself to to fit in and and it's more important to her, she thinks it is, to to be really popular and be accepted. Um, that's her character. So right. yeah, I, I think you're actually really something there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So so what has the process been like? to release your debut novel during a pandemic? Well, you know, I can't believe I'm about to say this, but it's had its good points and its bad points. I mean, you would you would think it would all be horrible, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because it's been such a difficult year. And, you know, obviously, you know, I have had much less time than I usually do because of, of the remote schooling issue. The uh, stress has been horrible. And, you know, the news um, a lot of the time has been absolutely appalling. And, you know, so it's been very, very distracting. But 
there were a couple of, of positive things. For one thing, I had to get more comfortable on social media. Right. Um, and, you know, well, let me let me start out by saying, and, and this is a, I don't think I'm, I'm giving anything away here, but, you know, for me to be active on social media as part of my book launch, that's totally expected by my publishing company. You know what right. I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they, they let me know that, you know, they were quite serious about this. They did expect me to take this seriously. So I knew I had to do that. So, you know, I mean, I did get a lot more comfortable on social media. I got into some really nice Facebook groups. I've, I've met some really nice groups on, on Twitter. There's tons of supporting writing groups on, on Twitter and these places. And that's been really positive. And then, you know, recently I had my, my virtual launch party. Now I always had this idea of, you know, when my book came out, my husband and I were going to have an awesome party, tons of great food, you know, wine, great music. We were really going to celebrate. So, and, and I was disappointed we could not have, you know, we had something, but it was a family celebration just the three of us. But, you know, we had this um, virtual launch at Books of Wonder, which is this fabulous children's bookstore in New York. And, you know, I was there with like three other middle grade writers. We kind of knew each other from these social groups um, and social media. Mm-hmm. And it was called Great Middle Grade, Great Middle Grade Reads. And, you know, we had almost 50 people at this launch. Oh, that's you know, cool. That's a good crowd, right? I mean, uh, I think it was a good crowd and people right. were there from all over. You know, they were there from Chicago. They were there from Missouri. They were there from the West Coast, you know, and it was recorded and it's going to be available in their archive so I can have a link to it, you know, right. um, from my website and people can go in and see it. So, you know, that's kind of cool, really. And yeah. And then, you know, you're also like talking about doing school and library visits. And because everyone's getting so much more used to doing these things remotely, you know, um, a lot of people are saying, you know, I think I'm just going to keep on doing most of these remotely. There's really no reason for me to, you know, have to get on a plane, fly across the country, you know, assuming you right. get a chance to do this, right? Um, and, you know, you don't want this to replace, you know, in the flesh meeting, but it opens up a lot of opportunities, you know, for, for, you know, school districts that are far away from you, school districts right. that maybe have so much money, they can't afford to fly you out. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think those have been some of the good things. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, you know, I think most writers are a little shy in some sense. I, I certainly am. And, you know, the idea of meeting tons of strangers face to face. Now, maybe I'm really overestimating this <laughs> <laughs> because most readings, it's more like three people in the audience who, who leave before the end. But <laughs> <laughs> the fact that I don't have to do that isn't the worst thing for me. Yeah, it can always be really, really nerve wracking. I, I mean, I, I remember when I was, you know, playing out regularly as a musician, I was always like really anxious about how many people are going to come to the show, you know? And then this past summer I did a like streaming set from my living room 
And I just like didn't stress about it at all. I was like, oh, people will watch if they want to watch and they won't if they don't want to, you know? And so that that part is, is nice. Yeah. And I think the part two that is like, okay, well, you know, this time won't work for me, but I can go watch it if you, if you, you know, have it recorded somewhere or you have a right. link to it. I can go watch it later. And, you know, that's cool. Um, yeah. No, definitely. Um, you know, of course, we all miss the human aspect. And that's been really difficult. But yeah, so those are some of the things that surprised me. You know, I, I really do feel like I had an actual launch. Oh, and I should say that um, the writing barn, I'm having another launch event there. And I think it's like February 11th. And I'm actually really looking forward to that because Bethany Hagedis is going to be um, kind of in seeing that, whatever, <laughs> whatever the right verb is. And my agent is going to be there. So, you know, I think for anyone who comes to that, there's, there's really going to be a chance to kind of really dig in and learn a lot more about the process of, you know, the whole thing, soup to nuts. How do you find an agent? How does an agent pick you? Um, you know, what happens if you can't find an agent? You know, maybe they'll cover right. that. Um, so I'm actually really looking forward to that event too. That's cool. For sure. Um, you know, I just want to point out to the listeners, cause I, I know a lot of writers listen to this. Um, the writing barn, if you haven't checked it out, you definitely should because it's, they're in Austin, Texas. And they just, they do a lot of like really great writing workshops you know, it's all, it's all remote right now. I'm, I'm assuming it's most. Yeah, I think it is pretty much. Um, I think they do some remote stuff, but you know what I, I remember Sarah, then when we were at that work workshop, I, and I mean, this is what you miss from the pandemic. It was really great to come and meet everybody. And we spent Mm -hmm. a lot of time together and, and we got to know each other pretty well, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was definitely a lot of fun. Um, uh, you know, I have to think that that will be happening again. Uh, you right. know, but in the meantime, they have tons of virtual events. Yeah. I'll, so I'll link to the writing barn on findcreativeexpression.com and you should definitely check it out if you're a writer. Um, definitely. Yeah. So, so is 365 days to Alaska, is this definitely a standalone novel or do you ever see yourself returning to the this world to write a sequel or, or just any kind of connected novel? I would consider a sequel, but it needs to be a really good idea. And so far I don't have one. I, I would really need to have a good idea about, you know, Rigel at kind of another crucial point in her life. Right. Um, and I haven't had anything that's come blazing into my mind so while I, I stay open, I would say, you know, right now, and it's kind of a shame because I do love those. Like, I don't know if you ever read all of Beverly Cleary's books about like Ramona and. Oh yeah. I um, used to love those. <laughs> I loved those. And, you know, I, I, of course I didn't realize how much skill went into doing those books, you know, mm-hmm. or, yeah, you know, she wrote another series about uh, a guy named Lee Botts that wasn't as well known. That was really good too. And, you know, I do really respect people who can do that, but I, I kind of do need to figure out like what the next big event in, in Rigel's life would be. And I don't know yet. A couple of other people have asked 
me about this, as you can probably tell. I wish I could come up with that idea, though, because I do love Rigel and I, I really like all of her friends and her family. You know, I think it's a good setup. Right, right. So, so you re- recently tweeted a great Chekhov quote. The role of the artist is to ask questions, not answer them. So what would you say the main questions are that you're asking with this novel? Well, you know, I think one great um, issue for kids, and I've, I've said this before, I'll say it again, and I'm sure it's going to come up again in my writing, is, you know, how kids find agency, um, a sense of control over their own lives, when the fact is they really have so little control, mm-hmm. you know, over so many aspects, you know, and, and this can... This can be from the, you know, minor thing of mom never makes anything for dinner that I want to eat to, you know, my parents have decided um, I'm going to share a room with my sister. I don't want to share a room with my sister to, you know, bigger things like my parents are getting divorced or my mother has a new boyfriend that I really don't like, but she likes him. Um, you know, so I, I think this is something kids deal with a lot. And, you know, so that would be one of the big questions, you know, mm-hmm. um, how do you find some sense of control? How do you, how do you find it to be resilient in situations like that? And I think that the other question is, you know, what do you do when you're let down by somebody who's really important in your life? And, you know, I don't think it's any great spoiler to, to say that, you know, at the beginning of the novel, Rigel really worships her father mm-hmm. and thinks he's like kind of the greatest guy. He's, he's sort of her hero. And, you know, by the end of the novel, again, no spoilers, <laughs> that's really not the case anymore. Right. And, um, you know, what do you do when, when something like that happens to you? Um, you know, if, if they've done something to you that wasn't right, how do you forgive that? How do you move on? Right. I think that's another big question. And, you know, I think that another question in the, in the novel is like, how do you find friends? You know, where do you find friends and what kind of friends do you want to have? And that kind of ties into the larger question of, you know, what kind of person do you want to be? Right, right. Yeah, I I think that that theme of of finding, you know, friends, kind of finding your tribe is is really prevalent in like a lot of middle grade books. I I feel like that's just a theme you see a lot. You know, I think that it is a big theme. And, you know, like one of the things that happens in 365 Days to Alaska, I guess this is sort of a it's a is that, you know, Rigel's older sister, who's very lovely, really pretty girl, um, you know, and is her first year of high school. And, you know, she gets a boyfriend and, um, you know, she's really excited about it at first, but the boyfriend's kind of controlling. Right. And, you know, more and more she's kind of thinking, well, do I really want a boyfriend or, you know, do I really want this boyfriend? Um, Right. You know, um, what am I going to do about this? And these, you know, these are definitely the, the, the things I think kids that age are are dealing with. And you know what? I actually think it's a really good thing to think about. Right, right. <laughs> you know, it, it is important to, like, I remember, you know, when you're that age, people say things to you, like, um, you know, don't chase, don't chase friends, you mm-hmm. know, 
like, you know, if someone wants to be your friend, you know, you'll know it. Don't, don't like try to um, kind of cultivate someone who just really isn't that interested in you, you know, just stuff like that. So, and, you know, for us as adults, it might seem a lot more straightforward, but I think kids that age are still really figuring it out. Oh yeah, definitely. So, so what are you working on right now? So what I'm working on now, and because I've had like the least productive year ever, (laughs) I'm like at the beginning stages with this, but it's a novel about a uh, a 12 year old girl named Franny and Franny lives with her grandmother in New Jersey. And um, Franny's mom was a very troubled, unstable young woman who eventually just lost custody of Franny. And uh, Franny had some kind of semi-serious issues because of that. And, you know, even though she would never admit it to anyone or even herself, basically, she worries kind of a lot about whether she's going to grow up to be like her mother. Right. Um, and I, I, I really can't say anything more. She lives with her, her grandma, who's, who's a loving woman, but is also kind of grumpy <laughs> and, uh, you know, not the most flexible person around. Um, and yeah, that's, you know, that's, and, and actually this is a really good example of the pantser approach, right? <laughs> yeah. Cause, cause but, I asked you what you're working on. You're like, Oh, let me name all the characters. <laughs> like the, you know, <laughs> here are the characters I've got. Here's the scenario. Um, you know, I mean, her grandmother is a uh, dental hygienist. She, mm-hmm. she's not a dentist. Does this make a difference in the story? Yeah, of course it makes it, you know? So yeah, and, and you can tell where I am. I'm uh, just at the very, very beginning of this, but you know, I'm, I'm hoping it'll go somewhere interesting. Right, right. Yeah, that's, that sounds cool. So, so what books or TV shows or movies or music are you really into right now? Wow, Sarah, uh, <laughs> I have to admit you, I have been watching a lot of really escapist stuff. Like, <laughs> um, I've been watching these reality shows about artists. Like, so for example, there's this glass blowing reality show called Blown Away. Um, that where sounds amazing. Can, <laughs> it is so nice. And and one thing is that I'm kind of a weenie. I like the shows where people are nice to each other. Right and they're sort of supportive when they're jerks to each other, you know, like Ink Master. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and that's in that. Everyone is kind of supportive and, and basically it's just really watching their process and it's super fun. And then there was this show called The Great Pottery Throwdown. That was like the great <laughs> British baking show, only it was for pottery. Right. And I love that show. I love the season that's been available. And I'm watching American Gods, I'm watching The Expanse, and I'm watching this um, Japanese show called Demon Slayers, where this guy's running around with a huge sword, killing, 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 but you don't have to feel bad about it because they're all demons, (laughs) you know? And, you know, I always read a lot of nonfiction. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think, honestly, I get almost more ideas from that then I mean I read a lot of fiction but I really enjoy my nonfiction. I just finished a book about Neanderthals I just finished a book about the Vikings called children let's see it was called children of ash and elm 
And now I'm reading this book called How to Tame a Fox about these Russian scientists who are are trying to tame, you know, the silver foxes that they raise in Russia for fur. Um, Yeah, so those are some of the things. I'm sort of ashamed I don't have any cool new music to talk about because I know that's your jam. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's okay. Um, Yeah, yeah, you know, I think the escapist, Thing. I feel like that's a common theme with with everybody. I f- I think everybody's kind of just into like comfort shows right now, you know. Yeah, I, I just really this was not the year. I, I mean, I just watched that movie, The Dig, which is about um, those people who excavated Sutton Hoo in in England. You know that amazing Anglo-Saxon ship that was buried on someone's property. Mm-hmm. That was really good. Um, but yeah, I'm afraid that's really kind of where my, my head is at. I, I, these are the kinds of things I have to watch right now. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> There's tons of great middle grade stuff coming out. Um, you know, a lot of really exciting books are coming out, you know, Take Back the Block by Crystal Giles and, you know, Amari and the Knight Brothers and, um, you know, Jerry Craft's graphic novels. Um, and you know, those are all well worth looking into if people are interested. There's, it always seems like there's good middle grade and YA coming out nowadays. Yeah. I I can, uh, link to all those on the show notes too. So, um, Oh, wow. Gee, I should, I should really come up with a long list, you know? (laughs) Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, many points of me came out recently. That was wonderful. Yeah, Coo, that was a book about a young girl who was raised by a flock of pigeons. Um, You know, just a lot of cool imaginative stuff coming out right now. Right, right. So I have kind of a big question that I ask everyone. Um, why, Why do you think art is important? One of the things I'm interested in is Neolithic art. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Werner, Werner Herzog did a fantastic movie about that a couple of years ago called, I think it was called The Cave in the, of Forgotten Dreams or In the Cave of Forgotten Dreams. And, you know, I've always been like really struck by the fact that our ancestors, you know, when they had a little more free time, when they didn't just have to worry about food and shelter, this is like one of the first things they started doing. You know, mm-hmm. why? I, I mean, like you go into and look at these pictures and, and there are people's handprints on the walls of these caves, you know, representations of animals, you know, there's a lot of speculation. Did they, did they do it because it was magic? Did they do it to exercise control? You know, was it for communicating with each other? Was it self-expression? Was that, you know, was that even back then? Was it a factor? And I I don't know, but I think it's really amazing and interesting that it was just like one of the first things people did. Yeah, yeah. I I wonder a lot about why we feel this, this, this need to do this. And um, you know, I, I think that one thing I, I feel strongly is that like a lot of times the people I know who do art, you know, like what is John Lennon said that he said all kids are artists until they're told they're not or something. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we're kind of the people who didn't stop doing it. Right. You know, 
it's like it's like a, a connection to our our younger selves and and maybe it's like a connection to our most genuine selves i don't know right no i i like that that's that's really cool so where can people find you and your work so uh i've always waited to say this 365 days to alaska can be found at all fine booksellers and online at all, all of the usual outlets. <laughs> yay! Um, yay! Uh, and, and you can follow me, Kathy Carr, at www.kathycarrwrites.com. And if you go there, you can find reviews, blurbs, order links, and there's also some neat stuff like a creativity quotation generator that's under the cool stuff section. Yeah. You, you uh, have a lot of cool stuff on your website. Like you have oh, like, I'm glad you went and looked. I tried. <laughs> yeah. I liked that. <laughs> I liked the kind of like mad libs. Fun. Yeah. Apparently I have to, um, I have to call them fill in the blank stories. Mad libs oh. has actually <laughs> been copied. But you're totally right. That's what they are. And, you know, I remember there's being so much fun when I was a kid and and I have some recipes and stuff for people to try. Yeah. So, you know, I think I think uh, I tried to put some good content up there, especially for like middle graders. And, you know, you can contact me there. There's a um, there's an email address. So, you know, um, yeah, it's it's all there. And and awesome. Hopefully people will find some reason for going there. Yeah, um, well, yeah. I, I'll link to all that as well on the on the website. So find creativeexpression.com. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, that sounds great. Oh, sorry, I've had so much fun talking to you. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. That, that was great. Yeah, I really appreciate the opportunity to be here. I had so much fun talking to Kathy, and I hope you all found it interesting as well. Coming up next week, I'm going to be doing another bonus episode. I'm going to be talking to my YouTuber friend, Steve, whose channel is The Lawn Gnome. He's really cool. He does a lot of like pop culture kind of movie reviews and music reviews, stuff like that. So I'm excited to talk to him. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Find Creative Expression podcast. Please take a moment to leave us a review on your favorite podcasting platform. You can find me on Instagram at Sarah E. Crawford or YouTube.com slash Sarah Crawford. Also find me on Patreon at Patreon.com slash Sarah Crawford to support the podcast for just a dollar a month. And that's Sarah, S-A-R-A, without an H. I hope you've been inspired today, and I'll see you in two weeks for the next podcast.